Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. I want to revisit two verses from last Sunday's talk that I think frames this series that we've, we're doing called Guarded. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. When the Bible talks about heart, it's not typically speaking of the physical organ. It's speaking about the deepest part of us, who we really are, the real us, that which we value, that which we think, that which we worship. And then another verse that the Bible, we talked about last week from Jesus, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We noted last weekend that that word pure is borrowed from the, from the Greek culture. And there are actually three word meanings or three nuances of that word that are important. It it carries the idea of being clean. It carries the idea of being transparent. And it carries the idea of being authentic or genuine. I think those three qualities, clean heart, a transparent heart, and a heart that is authentic or genuine, kind of wrapped together is the kind of heart that God is looking for in each and every one of us. David, I think, stands as a great Old Testament model of exactly that kind of heart. The Bible says, and it's an interesting verse, in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 4, the Lord has sought out for himself a man after his own heart. Now, here's the million-dollar question this morning. What does a person look like who is a person after God's own heart. Through the years and through my ministry, I have spent considerable amount of energy meditating, studying, and thinking about what that means. And at the end of the day, I think it's really pretty simple. I think somebody who is a heart after God is somebody that values what God values. It's somebody that prioritizes what God prioritizes. In other words, what matters to God matters to them. What God says is integrity, they see as integrity. If God says stop that or start this, you do. If God says I want you to change this, you don't question it. You do it because you have a heart after God. You respond because your heart is moving in God's direction and you're seeking him. And then there's this interesting turn that we find in the scripture. There's a whole other side of this that when we have that kind of heart that is completely yielded to God that way, God does something remarkable. Second Chronicles says this, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those, notice these words, whose hearts are fully committed to him. I think it's an interesting thing that when we talk about David having a heart after God, if we're not careful, we leave it in the realms of an historical passage That is not applicable today. I think that's a huge mistake. It's one of the reasons that we don't look at the Bible or talk about the Bible in terms of being an ancient book of wisdom or high ideals. Rather, the Bible is God's word. It's God's message to us. It's God's heart for us that have applicable principles, transferable principles that apply right now in the 21st century. So here's the deal. If 
David was a man after God's own heart and God recognized it, then I think it's possible for you and I to be a person after God's own heart. Think about that for just a moment. When God talks about you in heaven, and he does, what is it that God says about you? Let me ask it another way. When God talks about you in heaven, what is it you want God to say about you? I think it's really important for us to understand that the way that we live our lives and how we guard our hearts has a large bearing on how God responds to us. His eyes are looking, and listen to me this morning, God is not looking for perfect specimens of humanity. Rather, God is looking for people that are deeply spiritual, that are genuinely humble, and that are honest to the core people that say, God, at the end of the day, all I really want and all I really care about is pleasing you. Those are the kind of people who God's looking for. God's on a, he's on a hunt. He's on a person hunt for those kind of individuals whose heart are completely his. And so last Sunday morning, we talked about the fact that this idea of being pure in heart and having a, a guarded heart is all about relationships vertically with God and relationships horizontally. And I really want to drill down on that a little deeper this morning. You've heard me say, perhaps from time to time, that coming to Grace Crossing Church is like getting an hour of free Christian counseling. That's no more true than it is today. Because this morning, I'm going to get really practical. We're always practical. But this morning, I'm going to get really, really practical. I want to talk about what a guarded heart looks like in practical terms from the Bible, from what Jesus, I think, wants us to understand about it. And it is hugely relational. And I think it begins with this. I think a guarded heart is very careful about relationships. Listen to this verse in in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. That is not just a verse for teenagers. That's not just a really good verse for college students, for those that are getting ready to go off to college. That's a really good students for a good word for young adults, for middle adults, for elder adults, for single people, for married people, for divorced people. I think it's really clear. God makes something really, really clear. If you want to have a guarded heart, sometimes you got to hit the boss button and reevaluate your relationships. And you got to ask yourself some really important questions. Is this relationship enhancing or destroying my relationship with God? Is this relationship building me up or is it tearing me down? Is this relationship helping me to be really transformed more into the image of God? I think we have got to be so careful about the people that we let into the deepest part of our hearts. And and you know, Jesus gives us a really important angle on this. In Matthew's gospel, here's what he says. Matthew chapter 7 verse 6. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they will trample them underfoot and then they will turn and they will tear you to pieces. I think if we're going to have a guarded heart, we got to do a really good job at evaluating who we're going to allow into the deepest part of our lives. Let me give you a little equation for this that I think is critical. Level of trust 
equals level of entrustment. In other words, why would we expose and become vulnerable in our hearts to somebody that doesn't have our best interest in mind? Somebody that's really not concerned about us. Somebody that really doesn't care about us and about what we value. And I think sometimes in life, what we do is we expose our hearts to people And then we find ourselves making an enormous mistake because those individuals are not as concerned about our well-being as they should be. You say, what does that look like in life? Well, Well, let me give you some illustrations. If you have a friend that cannot keep a confidence, then stop talking about sensitive information to them. If you've got a coworker who wants to do a business deal with you and they're ripping off supplies from the office and they're cheating on their income tax, don't go into business with them. Don't do a transaction with them. It's Valentine's week, ladies. If that special guy in your life comes to you this week and gets on one knee and poses that significant question, will you marry me? And he's not been treating you like Jesus treats his church. I don't care how emotionally connected you are. I'd say no way. I would not expose my heart to somebody like that. Here's what, here's what Jesus is saying. At the end of the day, here's what he's saying. You got to be able to recognize a pig when you see it. That's what he says. I mean, we take these precious parts of our life and we lay them out before people and then we have a truckload of hurts and issues and we wonder why. Listen, I know that's not all your fault. But if we would just be better judges of character, if we would just be more calculated about making choices, we would save ourselves a truckload of hurt and issues in our life. Jesus, uh, Paul the Apostle, actually talks about this thing as well. He gives us an angle on this. And here's his angle. In 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not make mismated alliances with unbelievers, those who don't share your values. Or come under a yoke with them. Now, for those of you that have been churched for a while, and maybe you know a little bit about the scripture, we hear about not being unequally yoked, and we always think it has to do with marriage, with relationships. That is not the context of this verse. If you read this verse, this verse doesn't have to do with marriage. It has everything to do with interpersonal relationships, how we get along with other people. And, and the word that's used here is actually an agricultural term from farming that was about a piece of equipment that is still used today in certain cultures called a yoke, where you take two cattle and they share the workload by teaming them together with this implement. You put it on them, you harness them together, and all of a sudden, where one goes, the other goes. The direction one moves, the other moves. They are in tandem now doing life together. Here's what God is saying to us. Don't get your life in tandem with people that aren't moving in the direction you're moving in. If they don't share the values of Jesus, be careful about sharing your life with them. Be careful about making yourself too vulnerable and making significant commitments to them. I actually have young people, and I served in youth ministry for 14 years, and if I got asked a question once, I got asked it a dozen times. Would it be okay to marry this person if they're not a Christian, if they don't love God, because I might be able to influence them? My answer to that's simple. Depends what you want your heart to look like in 10 or 20 years. Depends what you want your life to look like down the road. Now, I'm not saying God can't intervene. I'm not saying miracles can't happen. But if you're here today and you're still on the precipice of making that decision, can I just tell you something? Go to people who made the decision and ask them. 
And what you will hear will help you to understand that it could be one of the worst decisions you could ever make. Don't share your deepest love with people who don't share love for God. Be careful. Because it can ruin us. It can hurt us. It can move us in a direction that will destroy our lives. I think a guarded heart is, secondly, a heart that doesn't ignore the behavior of others. There are times in life that things happen in interpersonal relationships that hurt really deeply. And and they're tough to get out of your spirit. They're tough to deal with. I said last weekend, and I think it bears repeating, and I put it on Facebook this week. If you want to deal with a hurt in your spirit, pray for the person who put it there. It will change everything. But sometimes we get hurt, and it's deep, and those wounds last us. We get a good piece of advice for what we can do. From Proverbs chapter 19, verse number 11. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is his glory to overlook an offense. When you and I are offended, we have one of two choices. We can either release it or we can retain it. Retain it and it will deeply wound your heart. Release it. And you will find a liberty that can only come by God's grace and God's help. Here's how I like to say it sometimes. If you want to be in healthy relationships with people, I don't care who they are or what the situation is. If you want to be in a healthy relationship, be inoffensive and unoffendable. In other words, be a person that isn't quick to offend others. Be a person on the other side who doesn't get offended easily. Who you don't have to walk on eggshells around you, right? Nobody wants to do that. So be a person who is inoffensive, and also unoffendable. But what happens in time, in times in our life when it's difficult to overlook an offense? Is there ever a time when we shouldn't overlook an offense? And the answer to that is absolutely. If there is an offense that's continuing and it's bringing damage to your life and to your relationship, perhaps to your family, to your home, I think we have a responsibility to deal with that offense to take action on that offense, to do something about that. Here's actually what Matthew's gospel says. Chapter 5, verses 23 through 25. If you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled. Then come and offer your gift. Notice the last three words Jesus speaks. Settle matters Quickly. That's the best advice you're going to get in your life. Those three simple words. Settle matters quickly. The word reconcile just means to end, to end the, the uh, conflict. And notice who are, who's the one that's supposed to take the initiative on that. Not them. We are. You know why God cares? About how we bring our hearts and even our gifts to God. Because God cares more about the content of our heart than he cares about the content of our gifts. He cares about what's inside of our heart. And if our heart is offended and wounded and we're carrying uh, uh, unforgiveness toward a brother or sister, the Bible says, listen, leave your gift there. You'll get to that, but you've got to go reconcile. You've got to make this thing right with that other person. And Jesus actually goes on to give us some really clear directives about how we do that. Now, if you're here and you're a non-confrontational person, This is going to be a tough passage for you. But here's what the Bible actually teaches us in Matthew 18. 
If another believer sins against you, notice it's a brother or sister, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go again, so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision and treat them like a person who does not believe in God. Now this brings up some real conflict areas for some of us that are here today. Growing up in a Catholic home and a Catholic family, I understood hierarchy of government and church and I understood that there are certain things that you just took as the rule at the end of the day. And maybe some of you are here and you grew up in a church or maybe you had an experience in your past at church or in church life where you've seen spiritual abuse. And it's hard for you to even trust the church, to trust the leadership and think, wow, how could I ever bring a matter or an issue to the leadership of the church? And I know that's tough for some of us. But we cannot escape the fact when we read the scripture that God has put the church together for a reason. And he's put the church in our life for a reason. And every one of us, including the pastor that stands before you this morning, needs accountability and needs people that I can go to that can speak into my life, that can bring me direction when I need it. Every one of us. The Bible says it this way. Submit one to another out of reverence or fear for Christ. There are times that I find myself submitting to people that are here in our leadership because I know it's right. It may not be what I want, but I know it's right. And there are times that you are called to submit. Why? Because God says that's the direction. There's things that we're struggling with, issues we're trying to get resolved. We're trying to figure them out. And how do we do it? Well, I think it's working together with God's Spirit and with one another to bring resolve to them. Listen, here's what I think the Bible's teaching us. There are times that you've got to confront and not cover. And what we want to do in life so often, especially as Christians, is we want to put a smile on our face, we want to walk into church, and we want everybody to look at us and think they've got their act together. Here's the reality, and don't do it right now, but if you've got a belly button, and I know you do, you're dysfunctional, okay, like I am, okay? Every human being has dysfunction. Every human being has issues that at times we've got to bring to God. And I see it happen in all sorts of relationships. I see it happen in parent-child relationships where children keep acting out and keep playing out and parents keep bailing out. Enormous mistake. There are times that confrontation has to happen. No more covering, no more bailing out. But you know what also happens in marriages? For the longest time, the attitude of the institutional church has been this. As long as a couple doesn't get divorced, then God's good and everything's good because God hates divorce. Listen, I couldn't agree with you more. God hates divorce, but God also hates unhealthy marriages. He also hates marriages that we aren't willing to get right before God and bring to him in openness and honesty. And there are times we cover and there are times that we excuse rather than saying, you know what, it's time to confront. It's time to bring this into the light as God is in the light and ask God for help and seek God's direction on this matter. I told you this was going to be super practical. You know what, this is tough. It's tough because none of us are good at doing this, but we desperately need to learn the rhythm of grace 
that brings God's Spirit into our hearts and into our lives. I'll do with my wife this week. This is a good week for me to hit the pause button in my marriage and ask her this question I ask her from time to time. How's our marriage on a scale of 1 to 10? Now listen, I've never been a 10. You guys, pressure's off. Okay? Pressure's off. And I'll never be a 10, right? I'm never going to have a perfect marriage. There have been times I've been low. I've been down in the fives. And I've had to say to her, what's it, what's it going to take for me to get to a six? I mean, I just want to get to a six. I'm not worried about a 10 today. Can I just do some things right to get us to a six? I like it when I'm about a seven or an eight or even hitting a nine rhythm. Man, that feels good. I'm not always there. But you know what? I think asking permission and asking for feedback, that's transferable in every one of your relationships. From time to time, it's good to, for us to ask other people, what's it like to be on your side of me? To see what my life's like. Tell me what you see on, on your side. And I'll tell you what, the things you will hear, if you will not be defensive, will help you tremendously. It will help you become a better person, a person that's honorable to God in every way. See, he's, he gets it. He, he, he knows. I told you this is tough to hear. This is tough. If you want a guarded heart, I really believe that the, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to be careful about relationships, how much you give your heart away. I think you also need to not ignore the behaviors of others, but there is another counterbalance to this. Because I think a guarded heart doesn't excuse its own behavior. It doesn't make excuses for its own behavior. When there are things that are glaringly wrong in their life, a person who has a guarded heart, a person who has, who's a heart after God is a person who's going to just say, it is what it is and I've got to face it. I love Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 7. Do not judge and, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Can I just hit the pause button long enough to say this? I have a lot of people say from time to time, uh, man, I don't like when that person judges me. Well, the moment you say to somebody, you're judging me, you're judging them, right? We're, we're always passing some sort of judgment. What we've got to be careful of is realizing the measure. What you measure out in your judgment is exactly what will be measured back to you in judgment, which is why I have chosen to always fall on the side of grace and forgiveness and love and mercy because I need it. And if I want to get it, I better give it. He goes on to say this. Why do you look, this is so interesting, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the two-by-four that's sticking out of your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye, when all of the time there is a two-by-four, a plank, sticking out of your eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye. And notice what it says. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Humility checking point. Our ability to be honest about our own two-by-fours is one of the greatest litmus tests of our humility. I see it happen all the time where people come and they bring their lists. Sometimes people bring literal lists, pages of what the other person's doing wrong. And then you say to them, tell me about you. How are you doing? What are you doing? 
that, that's contributing. I really can't think of anything. I, wow, really? Now, I got I to gotta duck because the two-by-four is swinging as they're saying it, right? That's what Jesus, Jesus called it a hypocrite. It's a theatrical term that means to act, to perform, to put on a mask. Listen, this was not intended to be taken literally. In other words, this is hyperbole. But we must never take it lightly. We must never assume that what Jesus was saying here wasn't critical and important to our lives. Though he was saying, don't take this literally, I'm not asking you to take a real plank out of your eye, but I am saying to you that in hyperbole, take this seriously. He goes on to add this in in chapter 5. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Hyperbole. Maybe not literal, but not light either. What I think Jesus is saying is this. If you're going to have a guarded heart, you can't excuse your own behavior. You've got to do something radical at times. You've got to say, listen, there may be something going on in my life that I am contributing to. That I'm adding to what the problem may be. And maybe if I just get it right, if I work on that, then I can let God work on the other side of this thing. But if we're not willing to work on it, if we're not willing to do something radical, for some of us it may be a relationship that's dragging us into the mud. We gotta fix it. We gotta maybe we gotta end it. Maybe it's been so chaotic and so damaging, it's time to end it. For some of us, it might be a sin or a temptation or a thing that we've contributed to in our own life that just drags us into the mud. And we've done it time and time again for so long that we've gotten used to it. And God would say it's time to do something radical. Honestly, for some of you in this auditorium today, that radical step for you is that you have been contemplating and considering a relationship with God for a lot of, a lot of months, maybe even a lot of years. Maybe you found your life navigating in and out of church, but you have never committed your heart fully to God. You've never said, God, I'm going to end life on my terms today and I'm going to start life on your terms. I choose today to begin new. For some of you, that would be a really radical decision. But God would invite you to do it. Because for you to get your life where it needs to be, to guard your heart, I don't think we can do without God. I'll just be quite frank with you. I don't think it's possible without God's help to guard the deepest part of us. We need God's. Holy Spirit, to be a guardian with us and keep watch over our hearts. As Jamie comes back this morning, we've prepared the communion table. The reason we have done it is because we feel like it's an appropriate moment for us this morning to take inventory. To ask ourselves, how is our heart doing in fact, can I invite you to do something as we, re, as we distribute these elements this morning? And for those of you that might be newer to Grace Crossing Church, let me just tell you, we have a welcoming communion environment, which means this. Anyone who would desire to receive communion that, that has entrusted their life to God through Jesus Christ is welcome to join us. In other words, if you are here today and, and you're a follower of Jesus, even if you're a stumbler of Jesus, but you love him, You want to be made new today, but you know him and you love him. 
then we invite you to receive these elements. But here's what I'm going to invite you to do. Just like I do with my wife from time to time, I ask and then I listen. And I don't always like what I hear, but it's important I hear it. I'm going to ask you to do the same thing in your relationship with God today. Just ask God, God, on a scale of 1 to 10, how are we doing? How are we doing today? How's my heart today, God? How am I doing at guarding my heart, protecting myself from unnecessary and undue wounds that come sometimes through others? But I let them into my life. I brought this upon myself. How am I doing? How's my heart? And if you will just ask that question as we're, as we're meditating and as we're preparing to in just a moment receive these elements then together, I believe that God's Spirit will speak to your heart today. You might, God may say to you, you know what? Today we're a four or a three. You might need to say, God, what, what's it going to take? What is, that, what is that thing in my life that I've got to deal with today? And I'm going to invite you to give God permission. Do something radical. Do something radical. And you will watch God do something amazing in your life. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.